welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Well, happy Thanksgiving, everybody here and at every one of our locations, every one of our campuses and online. Wanted to say a huge happy Thanksgiving. Hopefully you had a good time with your family. My name is Kirk Graham. I'm the campus pastor here at the Apple Valley campus and so excited to be able to preach to the church. Come on, can we welcome every single campus, everybody watching online? We love you all. Thanks for being in church. Thanks for streaming in, tuning in, wherever you are. Love you. In just a second, we're going to go to 2 Samuel chapter 23, the book of 2 Samuel chapter 23. But wanted to highlight in just a few weeks, we've got our Christmas Eve services. Anybody love Christmas season? It's, listen, it's not, it's not the Christmas 24 days. It's the Christmas. See, we've been celebrating Christmas back before Halloween. Like we're, we're ready for Christmas, but want the whole church to know that we've got dozens and dozens of services for you to be able to invite your family and friends and neighbors and coworkers. And so if you aren't gearing up right now for who you're going to bring to church this Christmas Eve, who you're going to invite to maybe watch online with you, join with you in your home as you're watching on Christmas Eve, uh, now's the time. Start thinking about who you can bring to Christmas Eve. Today in 2 Samuel, we're going to be talking about, uh, man, this is, this is a Bible hero. This is, if you grew up in church, you grew up in Sunday school, man, he, he definitely made the felt board for you. He, he is a hero, and uh, he, he might be your all-time, outside of Jesus Christ, he might be your all-time favorite hero. He is one of David's mighty men, and his name is Shama. Oh, you never, you never heard of him? That's a shama. My wife told me not to do that joke. That's terrible. Nobody's laughing. Talking about one of David's mighty men today. And uh, what we're about to read in verse 11 and 12, we're reading two verses. And that's where we're going to spend most of our time, just on these two verses, about what it means to be a mighty warrior for Christ. Samuel 23, they had just introduced the first of the three, the second of the three, Eleazar, and now they're going to introduce Shama. And if you haven't heard of him, get ready. He is amazing. In verse 11, it says, And next to him was Shama, the son of Aji, the Herorite. And the Philistines gathered together at Lehi, where there was a plot of ground full of lentils. And the men, everybody fled from the Philistines. But Shama took his stand in the midst of the plot and defended it. And struck down the Philistines. And the Lord worked a great victory. I know we just read the story, but let me retell it just right now. Shama's standing with a whole bunch of people in the middle of a lentil field. And uh, it's not my favorite vegetable, legume. I don't, I'm not sure. But he's standing with everybody. And this is the Lord's ground. And the Philistines, who were the enemy of God's people at that time, are coming to take that ground. And uh, Shammah, he's like, all right, here we go. And he looks to his left, looks to his right, and realizes everybody else is gone. And he's got a moment of decision right there. Is he going to stand up and defend the Lord's ground? 
or is he going to run like everybody else? And he takes his stand and he defends it. And as he stands, the Lord stands with him. The title of this message is, uh, I've got two actually, I couldn't decide. The first one is Moments of Decision. The second title is Courage to Stand. Lord, we thank you for these moments together in your house. Better is one day in your house than a thousand elsewhere. And Lord, I thank you for the church, not just River Valley Church, but men and women of God who serve you. Lord, I pray right now for each and every one of them that they would be infused with greater courage, with a rush of faith, that at moments of decision, spur of the moment decision making, no matter how small, no matter how large, maybe even life or death, that they would take a stand for the things of the Lord. A rush of faith, a moment of decision, courage to stand. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said, I'll tell you about a spur of the moment decision I had to make a few weeks back. It was uh, really a life or death situation. And if you're here at Apple Valley on the 4 p.m. service, you witnessed this moment. It was in the moment decision, life or death, where I had the opportunity to lead the church in communion. And there's a couple giggles over here. You guys must have been there. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Leading communion. And I, we took the bread together. And that bread sucked the saliva right out of my mouth. And you're chewing it. And I began to choke on the bread. And I've got a decision to make. Spur of the moment. There's not enough time. There's not enough time. I couldn't get counsel. I couldn't ask my mentor. I couldn't ask Pastor Rob what to do. What do I do in this moment of decision? The enemy's trying to take this ground. He's trying to take me out. We got to get through it. We got to we got to be able to take the cup together. And so I decided I'm I'm going to stand right here. And I said in my head, Lord, I don't care that I look like an idiot right now. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get through communion. And we we took the juice. And it sounded like Batman was leading the final part of <laughs> communion. It was tough. Moments of decision. Everybody has moments of decision. Whether it's small, goofy moments like that. Or moments that are life or death. I think of the movies that maybe, maybe you've seen uh, some of these movies where there's rock climbers. And, and one of them falls off. And, and, and the, other, the friend then falls too. And they're both hanging by one rope. And there's a moment of decision knowing that this rope is not going to be able to hold both of them. And in some of these movies and some of these stories, there's a movie about the Coast Guard. Same thing. Two people hanging from one rope knowing this rope can't hold both of us. And in a moment of decision, the person on the bottom cuts the rope and sacrifices their life to save the other person. It just happened in the news that the, uh, there was a, a zip line worker that the, there was a failure on the zip line and he fell with the person that was zip lining and they were hanging in the middle of the line and he sacrificed his life. Just happened, person. In a moment of decision, whether it's small or whether it's life or death, you as a Christ follower will be presented with these moments. Shama is in the middle of a lentil field by himself saying, is today the day? 
Today the day that I might die in this lentil field. What a way to go. That's tough. You will be presented with these moments. CM Ward says this. There are times you can commit things to death in a committee. Shama's victory was won on the spur of the moment. To him, it was a shameful day to see his countrymen run in the face of the enemy. So with a big cry in his heart to God, a great sob, half rage and half sorrow, he stood and God stood with him. It's a story that can happen in your life. There is a real enemy out to take ground in your life, out to steal, kill, and destroy. How are you in moments of decision? How are you in the spur of the moment, the decisions that you need to make? Do you have the courage to stand up or are you running in the face of the enemy? 1 Peter 5, 8 through 10 says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Be watchful. The first thing I want to talk about is the enemy's tactics when he attacks. What are his tactics? If you want to be ready and prepared to make a stand, to live with courage, to live with faith, to make godly decisions in a moment of decision, we need to know how the enemy attacks. There's three things in this story that we see and also elsewhere in the Bible. But first, he wants you to feel outnumbered and overwhelmed. Have you ever felt outnumbered or overwhelmed in this life where it just feels like I can't catch a break? I need God's mercy. I, I, I feel outnumbered. I feel on my own. I feel isolated. And Shama would have felt the same. One of the enemy's tactics is that they would gather together. Gathered, the Philistines, they gathered together so that Shama would feel outnumbered and overwhelmed. Psalm 64, 1 and 2. Oh God, listen to my complaint. Protect my life from my enemy's threats. Hide me from the plots of this evil mob, from this gang of wrongdoers. There's, there's a whole bunch of them. I'm outnumbered. Have you ever felt that way before? This is how Jesus was eventually arrested and then crucified. Not just one person coming to him, but a whole crowd of people coming to him. Matthew 26, 47. And even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the 12 disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs and they had been sent by leading priests and elders of the people, surrounded. I remember the other night was with my family, and I remember for me, I was feeling uh, a little bit lonely. Have you ever felt lonely before? Even though my whole family was there, even though all four of our children were sleeping, even though my wife was sitting next to me, I felt lonely. Which, if you ever feel that with your loved ones surrounding you, there's probably something happening in the spiritual realm that you need to be aware of. And so I'm feeling a little bit lonely, and I'm trying to uh, talk with Kaylee and, and be able to connect. And I, I just felt like, oh, man, I feel like we're not connecting. I feel like I'm trying to get through, and there's just, there's just something. I don't know what it is. And all of a sudden, uh, my oldest daughter, she comes out, Adley, she, she, she wakes up uh, after she had already fallen asleep. She had hives on her neck. I'm thinking, what is happening? 
I feel lonely. I'm trying to connect with my wife. And all of a sudden, our younger daughter, she wakes up. She's having bad dreams. And then both twins start crying in their cribs. And it's like, what is happening? Have you ever felt overwhelmed or outnumbered in this life? And I stood up in the room saying, right now we are taking charge in the spiritual realm. I don't know what's going on. And maybe you're looking at me as a pastor saying, well, that's, that's, that's hyper-spiritual. Just calm down. Nope, I'm not going to calm down. I'm not the person that says there's a demon under every table, but I am the person that will say that more things are spiritual than we give credit to. And we say, God, right now we take command over this house and we command you in the name of Jesus, your presence to make your way in this house, your peace to make your way in this house. Darkness, you must go. You have no control over my family. And right now, if you feel overwhelmed here and at any one of our campuses, I'm going to pray for you. Let's just have a prayer moment right now. God, I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, for anybody that feels overwhelmed, for anybody that feels outnumbered, for somebody that just needs to catch a break, Lord, I pray that your presence would move swiftly into their life. Your peace would move right now. Your mercy would be shown right now, God, that you would minister to somebody's spirit, to the depth of their being. They do not need to be afraid in the face of an enemy. They can be given courage right now that as they stand, as they take their rightful place and who they are in you, Jesus Christ, you stand with them. We pray these things in Jesus' name. The enemy's tactic is not just that he wants you to feel outnumbered and overwhelmed. Shama, as he's getting ready, he says, the Philistines gathered. The second tactic is that he will attack not just at your weak points, but at your strong points. Where you've gained victory in the past, oftentimes the enemy wants to work his way back in. It says this happened at Lehi. At Lehi, it's a place. It means jawbone. This place, there was a great victory for the people of God that happened at this same place. And Shammah would have known it. Because Samson would have been one of his heroes. And let me read this. I was going to read it later. But in Judges chapter 15, 14 through 16, says this. When Samson came to Lehi, the Philistines, same people, same enemy, coming back to the same place, they came shouting to meet him. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. Oh, man, I love that. The Spirit of the Lord rushed upon Samson. And the ropes that were around his arms, he was, he was bound up. The ropes that were around his arm became as flax and that has caught fire. And his bonds melted off of his hands. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, Lehi, the jawbone, and put out his hand and took it. And with it, he struck a thousand men. And Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, have I struck down a thousand men. The enemy wants to attack where you've gained victory in the past. He wants to attack you. I think about raising these boys, these twin boys, and it's like you do some sleep training, and uh, they sleep through the night, and it's like, finally, whoo, we've gained some victory here. I remember when all four of our kids were finally sleeping, it's like, I think we did it. We successfully raised four children. <laughs> a long journey ahead. But, but they, they call it sleep regression. And it's like, what is happening? What is this sleep regression? We had already gained victory. Enemy, get out of here. 
think about more seriously, I was with somebody, a part of our church, and uh, they said, hey, can you pray for my friend Bill? Pray for my friend Bill. Uh, his wife, who had been an addict, had gained victory over her addiction to drugs. She, had then, she was spending her life trying to help other addicts get free, and she, she'd taken many, many, many to treatment and to sober homes and ministering to families and children. They would open up their home. Anyways, Bill's wife, where she had gained victory before, fell, and she passed away. This happened just weeks ago. And as a church, you can just be praying for Bill's family right now. It's very serious that where you've gained victory in the past, the enemy wants to knock on that door again and say, hey, I'm, I, I want to, you may have won before, but now I'm taking this ground. At Lehi, Samson may have won before, but the Philistines are coming back. And Shammah thinking, I'm, I got to defend this ground. It's a tactic of the enemy. The third one, moving quicker, The enemy will attack where you are fruitful. So not just where you've gained victory, but where you are fruitful. Where there was a plot of ground full of lentils. That's what the scripture says in this story. A plot of ground full of lentils. I think of the story of Job, which is one of the oldest stories in the Bible outside of creation. Job, he has so much material wealth, and he has so many children, and he has his health. And the enemy's tactic was to take everything that was fruitful, and to take away his children, to take away his possessions and his livestock, and to take away his health. One tactic of of the enemy is to attack you where you are fruitful. Where are you gifted? He wants to attack you in the area of pride. That, oh, you, you're so awesome. You're so great because you, you're so gifted. You're so talented. Man, you're, you're beyond other people that are your age. You're, you, you, man, you get, you're getting promoted. You're doing, you're doing so great. And the enemy wants to attack you in the area of pride where you're gifted. He wants to attack your marriage. The fruit of your marriage is light to this world. It's God's design. Biblical marriage, it's light to the world. Just like Jesus' relationship with the church. Your marriage is light to the world. The enemy wants to attack what is fruitful. To attack your children. To attack your business. He wants to attack where you're fruitful. All right, so that's enough about the tactics. Now, how in the world do we get courage to stand in the moment of decision? What was it like for Shama in that moment by himself? Not enough time to, to run and talk to anybody. They're coming, and they're coming to take this land. How can I get courage? I want to talk about how to gain courage to stand in the moment of decision. The first one is to remember your heritage. Remember your heritage. The two verses that we read... It talked about Shama being the son of and a part of a people group. He's the son of Edgy, the fugitive. His name literally meant fugitive. The Hararite, that's the people group, which meant mountain dweller. He's got to remember, I, gotta, I, I know whose son I am, and I know what my people group are. And isn't it amazing? You might say here, like, hey, I, I just don't have that great of a heritage. I'm, I'm first-generation Christian. I didn't have the best parents. And, and I, I think of this story, knowing what those names mean. Think about this. Shama is out there by himself, and he, he's thinking, oh, man, my, my dad, the fugitive, who ran from everything, should I run right now? And 
he's, he's in an open field, yet the people group that he came from were known as the mountain dwellers. He's thinking, man, I'm used to the mountains. That's where my, I'm gifted. That's where I should be. I don't know if I'm, I'm good on the flat ground in the field. And I'm thinking about my dad, who's always running from everything, yet he even chose to stand. Whether you were raised with great spiritual heritage or you are a first-generation Christian, you need to remember that you are a part of the family of God. Shama is your heritage. King David is your heritage. Jesus Christ is our heritage. We are a part of the body of Christ. And as you are looking for some courage in a moment of decision, maybe life or death, remember who you are and what people group you're a part of. You are a part of the family of God. The family of God. The second thing, again, how, how did Shama make that decision? How did he do it? The second one is he had to remember the ground that he stood on was God's territory. This is God's territory. This is, this is not the Philistines' territory. This is not a, a, a man's territory. This is God's ground and to defend it. We already read that Samson defended that ground. It was God's territory. Not going to take back the ground. Think about in your life where the enemy wants to take back ground. He wants to take ground in your life. I heard this example from a pastor. He's saying when, when, when you clear ground where there's trees, the, the construction company will come in and they'll take out all the trees unless there's a ribbon around the tree. Or maybe a spray paint like, hey, we're saving this tree. We're saving this tree. I think that's a beautiful picture for the people of God to understand what trees are we putting ribbons around? What trees are we spray painting saying, the devil is not coming in here to remove these trees? The, the devil's not coming in here to attack my children. The devil's not coming in here to, to, uh, to uh, expose me to things that I'm looking at, that I'm listening to. I'm tying a ribbon around it. You're not getting in. You're not getting in. You're not putting a wedge in my marriage. We're not doing it. I'm putting a ribbon around it. I'm spray painting this tree. This tree's got to be saved. The enemy's not going to gain any ground. And as Christ followers, we need to know what's the field of lentils that we're willing to die on. And Shama said, hey, this is the one. Let's go. This is what I was made for. Remember that it's God's ground. The third way to, again, in a moment of decision, how do I gain courage, is to remember where your loyalty lies. Shama would have been thinking, my loyalty lies right now with King David. And as a Christ follower, your loyalty lies with the Almighty God, with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Does your loyalty lie with the king or does it lie with your life? I think about the story Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And in a moment of decision of being almost being thrown into the fiery furnace, they've got to decide, man, if we don't bow right now like King Nebuchadnezzar is telling us, if we don't bow, we're going to be thrown into that fire. And in a moment of decision, they had to remember where their loyalty lies. Daniel 3, 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king after they weren't bowing. O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Think about where loyalties lie. They're saying, we don't even need to answer you. If this be so, our God, 
whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. We need to remember where our loyalties lie with the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Where is the enemy trying to gain ground in your life? And who are you loyal to? Are you trying to, you focused on, oh man, I, I, but I gotta, I'm thinking about my business or I'm thinking about my house or I'm thinking about my family. All of that's fine. But are you thinking about defending in the name of the Lord Jesus? The fourth thing that Shama, in a moment of decision where he probably gained courage is in his own identity. So we've talked about heritage. We've talked about God's territory. We've talked about loyalty, but now identity. Shama means to devastate. Think about that. And he might have been thinking right there. I haven't done much, much uh, devastating. But as these Philistines come up, I'm about to devastate the Philistines. I'm ready to roll. Let's go. Think about the moment. of this. I, I know who I am. I, I know my name. And do you know your name? Do you know what you were created to do? you know how you were gifted? Do you know your anointing and your calling? The thing that is on your life. You're going to have moments of decision where you have to say, hey, this is happening right now. And I know who I am. And I know what I was made to do. Paul knew his anointing and his calling. Galatians 1, 15 through 17. But when he, Jesus, who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me, God the Father revealing Jesus to him in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. His anointing and his calling was to preach among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult anyone. Think about that. He knew his identity. Shama didn't have enough time to go consult people. He had time enough to make a decision. I got to make a decision right now. Paul, same thing. I didn't immediately consult. Another uh, version says, I didn't consult flesh and blood. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. He He wasn't going to Peter and John. He knew that he was called by God. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. He knew he was called and anointed, and he went. And there are moments of decision that sometimes we get paralyzed in our decision-making, thinking, well, i gotta get, I got to get wise counsel, and wise counsel is good. But there are times where you don't have time. you got to step into the call of God on your life. When you're meeting with somebody and you're finding out, oh, my goodness, they're, they're going through a tragedy, or they need healing, or, or something, something's happening in their life. And in a moment, in that moment of decision... Are you going to say, I'll I'll be praying for you? Or are you going to say, let's pray right now and believe God for a miracle right now. Let's do this thing right now. And let's be a church that says, let's step into our identity in Christ. When we get ready to close here, we need to understand that when we stand for the things of the Lord, the Lord stands with us. When we stand for the things of the Lord, the Lord stands with us. What do you need courage for today? What do you need courage for? Do you need courage to confess sin in your life? Do you need courage to declare a new day in your house? Hey, this is what our family used to do, but not anymore. This is who we are. It takes courage to do that, to course correct, because it takes, it takes humility as well. 
Do you need courage to pursue your spouse again? Do you need courage to train your children in the ways of the Lord? Like maybe you committed to when you dedicated them to the Lord. But I know with young kids, it's easy to, in a moment of decision, seems like a small thing, say, I'm tired tonight. Let's do quick bedtimes. You need courage to stand up and say, hey, we're doing Bible stories tonight. Let's go. We're praying. Do you need courage to fight in the spiritual realm through prayer? To say, I recognize what's happening with what our eyes can't see. I'm I'm recognizing something spiritual. And we are about to break strongholds in the spiritual realm. We are about to pray right now. And if you're listening, saying, well, I, I, I wasn't trained in Bible school. I don't, I, I'm new to this. What do, I, what do I do? You pray in the name of the Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. To the Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. And if that's confusing, the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus. When you start to think, man, there's, there might be something spiritual happening. There, there's, there's just something, just something just feels off. Something, you might be discerning something in the spiritual realm. You just need to start saying, Jesus, I need you to help right now. I need you to help. This is what we teach our children. How about we live it out as full grown adults? Jesus, I need you right now, right now, right now. I need your presence. I need your strength. I need your peace. Show up right now. We need courage to fight in the spiritual realm? Do you need courage to run to the Father for healing? If you know this story, Pastor, Pastor Robin Becca, they, they had prayed thousands of times for their son, Connor, who's now Pastor Connor, on staff here at church. He was born with autism. They had prayed thousands of times for healing. And when I was talking about what, what we were going to talk about this weekend, Pastor Becca brought up that story, saying that reminds me that we had prayed thousands of times and, and almost, almost given up. Not, not given up in the sense that God couldn't do it, but it, given up in the sense of like, you know, it's, is, it going to be my prayer, is it going to be my prayer request every time for the next how many decades? Is it, is it like whenever... So there was a guest speaker at River Valley. This is, I mean, this is forever. I think Connor was four. They prayed thousands of times. And a guest minister said, in back of the stage, said, I'd love to pray for your family. What do you need prayer for? And Pastor Rob, he, 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 the way that he tells the story, he's like, I, I was going to say, like, pray, pray that our family, you know, helps grow this church or something. Like, he was going to pray something like that, like, and Pastor Becca goes, I want to see my son Connor healed. And it was like, it, it like surprised Pastor Rob the way that he tells the story. It's like, whoa, that, that came out of nowhere. Like, yeah, we, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Sorry, I should have said that, you know. But it's a, it's a moment of decision. Something rushed up within her saying, I want to see her healed. You need courage to pursue healing. Connor, in that moment of prayer, was healed completely. Yeah, praise God for that. Do you need courage? Courage to live generously with everything that God's given you. There's a, they, they say it may be the greatest gift uh, in a church in the kingdom of God. There was a pastor that laid out a vision that was going to cost $120 million. And uh, this is pretty bold. I mean, that's bold vision, you know. 
And one person, without being asked, stood up and said, I'll give 50 million. So not everybody has 50 million, I get it. But a moment of generosity, courage to say, this is my lentil field. And I'm not waiting for somebody to ask me for it. I know how I've been gifted. I know the anointing on my life. I know some, and some of you have the gift of giving. Saying, hey, today's the day. Today's the day. Courage. Courage to forgive. Do you need courage to forgive? Courage to speak the truth in love. Romans 8.31 says this, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Second Chronicles 20, verse 15 and 17. This is, they're getting ready to fight a battle again, another battle. And they're all scared. Yet there was a prophet that heard from the Lord. And here's the outcome. The prophet said, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, this great crowd. I'm outnumbered and overwhelmed. Do not be dismayed. Do not be afraid. For the battle is not yours, but it's God's. Check this out. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm. Hold your position. And see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. As they were getting attacked by enemy army, an enemy of their enemy started attacking them. And they didn't even need to fight the battle. Sometimes we need the courage in a moment of decision to stand up. Today's a good day to die in the lentil field. Only to find out that as I stand up, God is standing with me. And we need Christ followers that are saying, I've got the courage. Right now is the moment of decision. I'm not going to back down. I'm going to step into it. This is what I was made for, like Esther. For such a time as this. And if I perish, I perish. Where's that in the church? Let's go. You were made as a mom and as a dad or as a young adult on a campus to live differently, to pour into your children, to, to reach your friends, to reach your communities in the workplace, business owners, to live like no business owner ever before, to live generously, to always forgive, and to remember your heritage. Remember who you came from. Remember that you are adopted, grafted into the family of God. Do you know who you are and will you have courage in a moment of decision let's bow our heads and close our eyes lord we thank you right now that you are speaking to people and you are infusing us with courage courage to stand though none go with me still i will follow no turning back lord i pray right now that people would have faith rising up in them And I pray this over somebody listening. And I believe it. What we just read, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For you, as you stand firm, you will not even have to fight. And Lord, I pray that over somebody, maybe many people this weekend that are listening to this message. Give them the courage to stand firm. And as they stand, 
you will stand. We believe it in the name of Jesus. Amen.